you don't have to be positive all the time. It's perfectly okay to feel sad, angry, annoyed, frustrated, scared, and anxious. Having feelings doesn't make you a negative person. It doesn't even make you weak. It makes you human. And we are here to talk through it all. We welcome you to These Fucking Feelings Podcast. A safe space for all who needs it. Grab a drink and take a seat. The session begins now. The man who's not here should be. We. <laughs> and that, and, and that's a great opening because we're officially recording. So we like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I've been making you laugh in the green room the whole time. So why not just come in with a big one, right? Right. We don't even need. So this is our new family member. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Ambika. That- it's Ambika, but that's close Ambika. enough. Yeah, Ambika Davy, Davy like Davy Jones. Yeah. So Ambika. Mm-hmm. It- so what does that mean? Name have a meaning? Come on, doesn't every name have a meaning? Oh, so what is it? What does it mean? So Ambika Davy is one of the names, one of the one thousand and eight names. So if you see me on some of the social media sites, you see I have the number one thousand eight after the name Ambika Davy because. It is so amazing that I even own the .com because this is a huge goddess in the Far East. And men and women are both named after her, just the same way we have uh, like John and Mary and Christian and Christina. You know, it's it's that common. So the fact that I own AmbukaDavy.com is mystify the first 10 years of owning it because i've had it for decades i've had the name for decades um it was given to me by a swami when i was studying originally at shivananda ashram in the bahamas campus where i still study virtually and hope to get back there very soon i i take at least one course at a time And uh, so when you are initiated at an ashram, you're given a spiritual name, should you desire to receive one. And it at this particular place, because I'm actually certified from six different schools. Wow. And two of them are ashram lineages. I have a master's degree in yoga. And so when I received this name, I didn't know anything about Ambika Devi. And then you're instructed, you're lucky if you even write it down correctly after you leave the ceremony, because you're not handed anything on a piece of paper. And you're kind of feeling around in the dark trying to figure out, okay, what what's my name, you know, and I managed enough of it in the bookstore on campus, that the person working there that day said, Oh, okay, Ambika Devi, and took me over to a bookshelf and pulled a book about Ambika Devi. So in some cultures, she's the moon goddess. In some, and the story that I learned first is her connection with Shiva. You've probably heard of Shiva. Yes. Some people say Shiva. That's an incorrect pronunciation. Is Shiva. And uh, she is, is Shiva because we see this definition of male, female. They're actually two parts of the same. Right. So she's a facet on the gem of that particular facet on the gem of God, because these are holographic layers. And in that story, Shiva and the other three in the triumvirate, they create what we call the cosmos and our earth, our world was part of this chaos. At that point, it was chaos. And then 
it got out of control and Brahma, the creator, got totally freaked out as he does in many stories. And he said, I don't think we should keep this going. And Shiva, the destroyer, said, no problem, I've got this. And he was headed off to destroy it. And and Vishnu, the sustainer, and, and Brahma together said, no, 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 you know, this is an amazing thing we're, we're doing here. Let's not kill it totally. So Shiva lies down. And uh, at that point, Ambuka Devi was part of this chaos because it was also part of Shiva. And she had... Sp- sprouted a thousand eyes and a thousand arms and she started destroying things so shiva lays down her foot touches him and she stops eyes wide in a goddess pose squatting and gives birth to the three gunas these are the three qualities of nature and then they start creating and it happens again because everything is a spiral like DNA. And then Shiva says, no problem. I've got it again. He lies down. Her foot touches him again. And out of her third eye comes Kali. You've probably heard of Kali, another aspect of Shiva. So this is all part of the Ambuka Devi story that I have the honor of having this .com name of right, and being named. With and, thousands and thousands of other people. Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, she actually, Rebecca was doing research on some, a different, completely different mm-hmm. <laughs> Ambika Davy. <laughs> yeah. What was it, a movie star or? <laughs> no, no. She was just a. Uh, she's a yoga, like a yoga instructor. She was also yoga. A yoga was, instructor, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. was very, like a young girl, younger. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, no, that's not her. Yeah. <laughs> so she had been reading on the wrong person for the well, last yeah. month. You should just put the dot com <laughs> and you got me, right? Dance and yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. And I've been involved in all those things also. It's mm-hmm. So as Shivananda Ashram is known for, uh, there are certain swamis who really gravitate towards this name. And so it's not an unusual name to find on campus. However, they're in the Mahabharata. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Have you heard of the Bhagavad Gita? No. Okay. So the I Bhagavad can't even Gita. <laughs> I do have a master's degree in this. So, uh, and Samskritam, which is Sanskrit, the language this comes from, is a big part of it. The language of yoga is Samskritam, but many people say Sanskrit. And the thing is, when we pronounce the words properly, we're actually ringing petals on the different chakras in the body, and it's creating music. So when we mispronounce things, we might be making disharmony. See, that's why I don't even try to pronounce them. Mm. If I can't get it, I don't even try to get it because (laughs) I do believe that it's funny because I always tell people like when I pray or if I do pray. I always Mm -hmm. end it with, and no negative consequences, because I feel like sometimes you have to be so careful how you say it. Yes, this is also good to do at the end of a show, at the end of a lesson. When I'm studying at Shivananda Ashram, they use the the phrase, Hari Om Tat Sat. May all of this information be the wisdom of God, and may it be truth. So I want to go back all the way to the beginning. Okay, let's go there. Before Ambuka, Ambuka, Ambuka. Say it again. Ambuka. You've got Ambuka. it. You've got to trust yourself, Ambuka. my yeah. God. Trust yourself. <laughs> so let's go back prior to Ambuka. Like, how did you find, like, where did it start? Let's go there. 
We all have had thousands and thousands of lifetimes. I don't prescribe to this idea, old soul, young soul. We've been going through this on the wheel of Dharma together for a long, long time. Maybe some people have gotten some of the lessons a little bit more clearly, but let's not even try and create levels or classes or classifications. Right. Right? So... They say that when you've been doing some good stuff in previous lifetimes, you've got a backpack full of some good stuff to bring into the current lifetime that you are gifted with, because life is a huge gift. And this is something, if, if you're listening or watching everybody and that's the only thing you take away, please, that's what I want you to remember from me is that this life is like winning the lottery. Stop trying to win money. Stop trying to win anything else. Winning life is huge because this is your springboard, your stepping stone, your possibility to evolve and get the heck off the wheel of Dharma (laughs) and evolve to the point of self-realization, of realizing this is not who you are. This material world is not who you are. So I was born into this lifetime with the gift of coming into a family that would help to put me on a path to introduce me to this. I was born in 1959. And at that point, there were a few yogis who had come to America where I was born. And they had started to teach. And when I was in first grade, I was in a public school where my teacher did not catch that I had vision issues. And so I wasn't learning how to spell. Go figure. I became a publisher and an award-winning writer. Of course. Right? You know, (laughs) still a little bit challenged with spelling, but having a really hard time because my my last name at the time began with a later letter in the alphabet and I couldn't see the freaking board. Oh, wow. You know, and nobody saw it. But then we found out that my teacher had a drinking problem and was coming to school drunk. So at that time when my parents discovered this issue, with my reading, which my mother was a very intense bookaholic. She led book groups, she worked for libraries, you know, so isn't that interesting how we manifest people, places and things to mirror the lessons of life, to, to be accepting of others. So they had an offer from a little Quaker school nearby to put me in a pilot reading program that had never been used before. And all of us who went in there were people who left first grade and had to do it again together. Oh, wow. And that was the only bargaining chip was, are you okay with doing first grade again? And I had left early, so I hadn't finished and I said, well, are the other kids, are, are there other kids who have to do this too? And they said, yes, everybody that will be with you is in the same boat. And I said, sure, I'm in. Right. And I fell in love with reading. And our school would have a big, almost pagan May Day celebration. And it's May now when we're recording. Yeah. And that's when you dance around the Maypole. And the first graders had to dance around the Maypole. And so did the 12th graders. And we had big sisters And as a little first grader, I'm sitting there watching this ceremony after dancing, and these yogis come out all wearing white, doing yoga to classical music, just spontaneous movement, like a slow motion dance. And I turned to the kid next to me and I said, I'm going to do that. Wow. So that's when it started. That's pretty cool. They taught me how to meditate. The Quakers sit quietly once a week for an hour. 
And that's when I learned how to meditate that first week in Quaker school. That is something that I whole life. Yes. That's something I've been trying my whole life to just get my brain to stop for five minutes. And it just don't happen for me. I've got a list on my YouTube channel, Micah, that I invite you to go check out of me talking about it. And I also have another one that says meditation beginners start here. And then I'm happy to make videos about whatever is hanging you up. I also have a podcast where you can listen to articles about me uh, talking about it. They're my blog articles and also guided meditation. So what I want to say is there's nothing wrong with what we call guided meditation because usually you end up falling asleep. I don't know if you ever tried it. Maybe you fell asleep. I, I do. And actually, I was going to say that I have tried it. I tried it. I have tried the guided but I'm still I still get lost in a thought going a different ways. Of course you do. That's yeah. human. We all have that sub vocalization that goes through the mind. Right. It's like I got it for a few minutes. I'm like, okay, hold your breath, let it out. Did I eat breakfast this morning? <laughs> you know, like- but if you think people like monks and the Dalai Lama don't have that sensation, then you're thinking they're not human also. This is part of the human experience. But what I want you to know is that meditation is not a destination. And I think that's what hangs people up. They think they have to arrive somewhere. But what it is, is a state of being. And you get in it already, Micah. You get in it. If I don't know if you ever do any kind of creative work in the back of the house with your podcast. But like video editing, you can easily get into the meditative state. Walking, running, any action like that. Cooking food, cleaning the house, folding laundry. These can all trip you in. Every 90 seconds, the brain will potentially allow you to be pulled into the state of meditation. And this is exactly what hypnotherapists use to pull you into the state of hypnosis. So hypnosis and guided meditation are are siblings. They're similar. Anything that's feeding information, either audio or visual or both, is mind entertainment. But not everybody can relax as a result of that. Right. I was uh, Actually, I was going to say two things. Number one, I, I feel like I, that's one of my issues. I don't relax. But also, I don't. it's very hard for me to give up control because of all the things I went through when I was younger. And I understand. So I think that that's always my biggest issue when it comes to meditation or to letting go because I feel like I still need to be con- in control of me in a way. So I think that might be what I trip over. I just kind of, I can't let mm. go completely. I, I'm going to I'm gonna give you a secret. Are you ready? I am ready. It's not about letting go. It's about backing up and just witnessing and watching. <laughs> and then noticing because the first reaction is for free. But it is a choice that we make as human beings to re-react. And that is the crux of what creates the feelings that you're talking about on your podcast is that when we're re-reacting, 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 we're creating this knotted ball of feelings. And then how the heck do we unravel it and relax? So meditation is the body fully relaxed. And yes, the classic uh, directives are to sit up straight, close the eyes and focus on the breath. So easy. But so difficult and challenging, (laughs) so difficult and challenging. So what are some of the things I do? I go out roller skating. I I roller skate and and that's how I breathe the air. And I, I roller skate on the streets of my neighborhood. 
uh, as you heard in the green room, I live in Florida and they just resurfaced my streets. So they're not bumpy anymore. It's oh, like glass. I'd it's be amazing. Every bone in my body. Come so skate with me. Please. For you to do it at 60. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I intend to do this until I plot, you know, because, you know, people look at me and they go, what, how old are you? You know, and they look at the food. I post about food a lot. And it's like, if you want to learn how to be vital and vibrant, then you might want to talk to me. Right. You might want me to coach you and help you look at what you're doing in your life. And I definitely want to help large groups of people, organizations heal their relationships. Right. By looking at their communication and by healing the most important relationship, which happens to be the topic of my sixth book, Cupid is a Bastard, which is turning it all back onto self-love. Right. So let's talk a little bit about Cupid. All right. Yeah. <laughs> my, my newest baby. Yeah. This book um, is my pandemic project. Okay. I was grieving because my my mother died at 97, which is a ripe old age. And it's not like I didn't expect her to. That's why I moved to Florida. And I had 12 great years with her. And then four more years of just taking care of her. And uh, so I'm a writer. So during that time, I wrote poetry and I write my dreams down when I have them. And I have a dream buddy I call up and we tell each other our dreams. This morning we were talking and I had a dream about all white stuff last night. And so did he. I mean, how trippy is that? Yeah. You know, and you're wearing a white shirt. I don't know if that's indicative, but. Uh, Actually, all, I was just hot. So I took it off. It just took it off and so. went for the beater. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of my processing in there. At the time when I decided to put it together, because it's my own little version of compiling me. Uh, my very first book, Lilith, which is a fiction novel, uh, which happened to win an international fiction award. Go figure, your first novel. Oh, that's pretty cool. Coming in second place to L. Ron Hubbard. I'm very proud of that. He's the one <laughs> who wrote Dianetics and started Scientology. Let's not go there. Oh, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's another show. That's another show. Maybe at midnight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Cupid, I, I was, I'm in a group with writers run by uh, Rusty LaHaye, my dear friend who is my editor for my publishing label. And she gives us prompts. So little quotes and bits from other people's writing, and we either write inspired by it or not. Okay. And it could be anything. But at the time, most of the people in the group during a few months, were writing memoirs. And I thought, you know, I already pretty much wrote my memoir embedded in the pages of Lilith, a part of it, you know. But then I thought, you know, I do want to really talk about my family and my feelings and love, all different kinds of love and all kinds of loss. And I wrote a bit of a short story in one of our weekend retreats on Zoom, stay treat because we weren't really traveling and uh i i title stuff so that i can find it in my computer later and i thought oh this will be a good short story it's pretty funny it was about getting jilted on a dating app okay and so i titled it cupid is a bastard and there happened to be a guest speaker there that day from the publishing industry from new york city and when i it was my turn to read from the prompt which was from a book uh, entitled When God Was a Rabbit, 
which is a great book. You might want to check it out. Um, uh, I wrote a bunch of stuff inspired by that book. And so I, I announced, I wrote a one page, maybe it'll be a short story. And I called it Cupid is a bastard. And the agent from the publishing industry blurted out because her mic was still on. Oh my God, that's an amazing title. So I'm thinking in the back of my head, the whole time I'm reading, I'm buying the URL. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So that's how it got started. And then it just became like a scrapbooking of poetry, flash fiction, dreams, this mini memoir that's my author's notes in the beginning and owed to my family. Uh, a lot about loss because a lot of the people I've been in love with, whether they were friends, family, or lovers, have died. Wow. So that's another reason of calling it Cupid is a Bastard. Now, just to justify it, I am an astrologer. And Venus is the mother of Cupid, and we have no idea who his father is. So I see no reason why people should get down on me. Stop giving me crap, people, about calling my book Cupid is a Bastard, because you know what? We don't know if his father is Vulcan. (laughs) We don't know if his father's Zeus or or Aries, a.k.a. Mars. And it's a regular, regular, you know term used if you watch period drama you've heard this word before is it making you freak out i've had i've had somebody going back and forth with me today on linkedin privately about being an astrologer i think you might want to bury that she said i said you know what i'm really tired of this because have you ever heard the term body mind spirit both of you yes yeah you've of course heard it you may not know where it came from deepak chopra started it right And you might think, oh, he's so brilliant. He's written so many books. You know what? He translated the three daughters of the Vedas. The Vedas are the books of science behind yoga. Yoga is not Hinduism. The Vedas created all are the inspiration. Just like I use quotes to write this book. The Vedas are books that have inspired many religions. And they have three daughters. Yoga. Hmm. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yoga is for the mind. That's what it's for. It's for meditation. It's not stretchy pants exercise programs. It's for the mind. (laughs) Ayurveda. You might have heard of Ayurveda. It's becoming more popular. A lot of people know about Ayurvedic doshas, the qualities of our bodies. And this has to do with our nature, which is dharma. Ayurveda is for the physical world, the physical body, but also, you know, what kind of media are you consuming? What kind of food are you eating? You know, what color is your environment? When are you exercising, if at all? And then Jyotisha. Oh, nobody is talking about this. I'm the one barking on the on the platform about this. Jyotisha is the science of light. It is a timekeeper, a time clock. It is astrology. So body, mind, spirit means yoga for the mind, Ayurveda for the body, Jyotisha astrology for the spirit. Hello. Right. Sorry. Right there. Over here. I wasn't. (laughs) I caught the Holy Spirit real quick, but it was. Yeah, that worked with me. It worked worked for me. (laughs) It did. It was so perfect. Like, okay, I got it. But it was a little bug that I'm about to run from. Well, as long as it doesn't go in the pipes, that's the worst (laughs) when you're on a podcast or trying to sing on stage. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I actually had a bug fly into my eye one time. 
during a podcast? No, just in general. I was just oh gosh, I live in Florida. That happens if I go for a walk at dusk. Really, it was so big. Nats. Oh, I grew up on an animal farm with horses, dogs, and cats. So yeah, I've had bugs fly in. Right. Into my different body parts. <laughs> <laughs> Since we were talking about astrology, I was actually wondering if you could help us better understand our emotions and reactions like to stress. Okay. How astrology would help us with that. What I want everybody to understand about astrology is it shows our true nature. So it's not fate. There's a difference. And you might have heard me say the word dharma before. Dharma is our true nature. So we also might think and mistaken the fact that our nature is only as per this present lifetime. That's incorrect. Have you ever met a little kid that you're like, I know what this kid's going to be when they grow up. This kid has very distinct likes and dislikes. You know, they have hours of the day when they're more up, hours when they're down, when they're cranky, when they're happy. We come into this lifetime with this nature. So how I can help people to navigate and negotiate feelings and the way they react to things is definitely by helping them to, to understand and appreciate and embrace their true nature. Now, there's also timing. There is a time clock. The moment you were born, if you have that hour and minute and even seconds, because now with satellites, we can get it down to the second and I can calculate it to the second. Now we can look at where you were. There's a starting point. There are particular things that will help you to clear the mind. There is a sound that we can find from the measurement of where the moon was at the moment you took your first first breath that will help clear your mind. This is used in some meditation systems. And And they're they're using it. Um, and they're treating it like it's like secret woo-woo. Right, right, right. And that's what people talk about when they say like reading your charts. Well, yeah, but I mean, some people think, yeah, I've had my chart read. And then they come to me for a session and they're like, oh, my God, you know, I've nobody ever told me this stuff. Right, right. You know, they I'll say in India, to, to, like, oh, well, on. let's do it, Micah. Yeah, you know? okay, I, I am. But so I don't know if I got the second. But well, if you have all astrology charts are built from date, time and location. Location. So it's those three things that are necessary. Okay. You have to have the hour and minute. It might be on a document, but depending on- I do have on... the hour and minute. I just don't have the Okay, that's, no, that's fine. Okay. I, I don't either. I don't either. Oh, okay. But, and it would be a rare case that yeah. seconds would really throw things off. And then there are many house systems. Come on, there's many different astrological systems. There's traditional Chinese astrology. The way they do it in Japan and Korea is a little bit different. Right. There's Mayan astrology. There's- Greco-Roman astrology using the tropical time clock, which is set to how our earth is moving and our equinoxes and solstice points. And then there's sidereal time, which is looking at the traveling of the planets and measurement. Although, you know, I have to just confess something. <laughs> I, I, I'm a space nerd. I love looking at pictures and stuff, but it all looks Photoshopped to me. Right. And yeah, I've definitely had conversations with flat earth people 
And, <laughs> and, you know, I still question it all. But the thing is, we're standing on this earth and we're measuring things and we can see solstices and equinoxes. And that's when the earth and moon are aligning in a certain way and crossing an ecliptic, which is like an equator in space. And if I get too nerdy, just pull the reins back on me. No, no, no. Uh, no. I'm trying to keep it so everybody can digest it. Um, but that's why I use tropical time. And yes, I've studied Jyotish. So all of you sidereal people out there wanting to argue with me, you know what? It doesn't matter what system you use as long as you give good information to me. If so you're now, interpreting it well, that's fine. I can cross compare till you pass out. Right. And I've studied these other systems, the traditional Oriental systems, the Mayan system. I know what my signs are, and I have spent the time doing all that math and calculation. I wanted to be a theoretical physicist, but in the 70s when I was graduating high school as a female, that was not going to fly. So I went in this direction, and guess what? All the theoretical physicists are now studying the Vedas. Right. Hmm. And that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you if you can just actually explain what astrology is. Because I know most people hear it, or me. You know me, I'm very ignorant to the subject. Um, you know, I think astrology, I'm a Capricorn, you know? <laughs> like I was. That's your to- sun sign. So that's the placement of the sun. Right. I use 23 points. Some are the planets that we can see with our eyes. Mars, Venus, Mercury. We talk about Mercury retrograde. Yes, it does affect electronics. I dare you to tell me you've never experienced <laughs> some sort of electronic thing going on during a Mercury retrograde. They, we've all experienced eclipses. We've noticed periods of time where we're more up, where we're more down. So just think of it like a time clock. It's just a clock. Stop being afraid of it. And then when you talk to somebody who really understands astrology and they can really pull it apart and help you self-actualize and help you accept like, ah, right. I'm being me. I'm being who I came to be. Right. And help you navigate, negotiate it. So there, it depends on the system. But what I'm using are the planets, the nodes of the moon. I'm using mathematical calculations that are points in space, but they're not really there. I'm using ideas about stars that we can see from Earth. But do we really know they're there? Because to me, sometimes I'm thinking it's all photoshopped. Yeah, we're living in the Matrix, right? Right, I do believe. I found a glitch the other day in the Matrix. Oh, yeah. How about Mandela effect? Have you had any of those? Yes, yes. Honestly, a lot, a couple of those kind of like, I was like, I do that. um, I'm trying to think what's a good one. There's so many of them, but like the bears seem bears. I've seen that one. That was like different, you know, what the Mandela effect is. It's when you grew up, when you grew up or you knew a fact. Right. And it was fact. Everybody agreed on it. And then suddenly you see something and that fact has changed. Changed, right. And it's it's accepted. And it's like what you already believed you had already seen is gone. I've had weird matrix things. I was walking along the edge of, of, uh, we call it the hammock, the jungle here where I live. And I came across what looked like a maple leaf. But there's no maple trees here. I'm I'm in the subtropics. Right. We don't have northern maple trees. And it looked like an autumn maple leaf. And when I got closer, it looked like it was woven out of burlap. 
Now it could have fallen off of something, I know, but it freaked me out. And then I started really paying attention to that stretch of the edge of the woods there, you know, and some days I swear it was closer to the sidewalk and some days it was further away. Right. And I started just, I I started saying, you know what? Hey, everybody, you got to work on the matrix better because it's not looking the (laughs) same way it did yesterday. You're paying attention. (laughs) You know what? I had a really good one. I I would tell people, you think about like cars and then buses. Like, how do cars and buses fit in the same lane? When you can sit there and have four people in an aisle in a bus, but sometimes in my car, it's too tight. Right. Um, You see, I'm drinking out of a a Hogwarts mug. Do you remember (laughs) the night bus? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, somebody asked me this a, a few weeks ago about buses. You know, how could you have a walking aisle right. and that many people? How how does this even work? Right. It's like you're. How is this working? I don't know. I that I don't know. And that's <laughs> the thing about me. I will say I don't know. And if I can find the answer, I'll say I'll get back to you if I can find the answer. But on this one, Micah. Help me with this one. We can keep researching it. Right. Maybe we should. Because I still I, I want to like understand how planes can fly and concrete boats can float. You know, it's like the whole thing. <laughs> right. A few right. nights ago or a few days ago, the sun, I don't know if you saw it, but it looked like Jupiter. Did you see the sun? Jupiter? How did? What do you mean? It looked so orange and the uh-huh. shading of it was darker in some spots. You usually can't look at the sun, obviously. We all know that. Well, it depends on the time of day. Right. But it was later in the day, but mm-hmm. it was so big and it was so... Crystal actually has a picture of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why it looked like this. I felt like there should have been some sort of news briefing. Yeah. <laughs> where, where in the world were you standing at the time? Well, actually, I was driving back. It was a week ago, Saturday. So I was driving back from. I mean, was it in the U.S.? Was it? Yeah, US. Oh, yeah, yeah. It where? Was, where in the U.S.? Just curious. It was in New York. New York. Okay. Yep. So there were recently some very big fires in Alberta, Canada. So my guess is some of the smoke made its way to you. That's my guess. Because smoke and smog will make something in the sky bright look orangey. Oh. I know this from living in the Phoenix Valley for 10 years. Because there's a lot, you know, when there's smoke, smog, and dust, you get a lot of really beautiful orangey red and pink sunsets. And definitely different angles, you know, angles of of the earth, angles of the sun, other things reflecting in the matrix. Who knows? In the matrix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The sun itself was just itself was orange and it had different shades of orange in it. It was just, I don't know. I didn't leave the house all weekend, so I didn't even know the sun was shining. Yeah. I, it is good to go outside every day, everybody, <laughs> no, and connect with nature. Please do. <laughs> I've just been so tired lately that I've been really lazy. But I could actually, I wanted to say two things really quick. I wanted to tell Rebecca. So about the Mandela effect, the thing that's kind of crazy about it is like that the companies who like, like the difference between Jiffy and Jif, you know? So it's like, now they say it's Jif, but I remember growing up on Jiffy peanut butter, but the company who makes Jif said it was never named Jiffy. 
That is, yeah, that one is disturbing. Right. I'm like, (laughs) I know I had some Jiffy peanut butter. Right. Right. But they're saying that it was always Jiff. It was always Jeff. And the company reports. I remember the commercials. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And I mean, this is stuff that I saw. I haven't did little fact checkings, but, you know, off of what people say in conversations. They say. Yeah, I hope people will write in in the comments about their Mandela effects. Right, definitely. Please do. I'd love to. I'd love us to keep that conversation going. Okay, definitely. And you know what? We'll make sure we'll tag you, too, because I see videos all the time on things that, like, people say happen to them. Or stuff that no, and I can't really think of any, but that GIF one came to mind. There, and, there are definitely TikTokers who are listing them. Yes, so listing we, them. yeah, and so many of them. I'm gonna start sending those videos to you, but I kind of yes, wanted please. to talk about something else that you said. You said negotiate. Absolutely. You keep saying yeah. negotiate, like uh, you help people negotiate. What do you mean by that? Negotiate and navigate. Navigation. What, navigation is trying to. Well, when we are hit with a big feeling. Oftentimes, we then have a big reaction. Right. And uh, if it's hurt, that can just stagnate us and and make us still, you know, crumble. We can just fall down and not be able to move in depression, or we might be in an anger loop or a thought loop. So I do work with people as individuals and help them identify the current thought loop process that they're in, there can be multiple, but there's usually a main theme one. Right. And uh, the way I take them through the process is each thought is then like a spoke on a wheel. Think of like a hamster wheel going around and then they're, they're on the inside of the wheel and they can't get off. And then maybe they calm down for a bit. So th- negotiation is a business term. When we're trying to come to terms with something, you know, it could be with a sale, it could be in a personal, intimate relationship, and you're disagreeing on something. Uh, It happens with roommates quite often. And sometimes we have to learn how to give in. Right. Sometimes we have to learn how to agree to disagree. And most often we have to learn that it's not my way or the highway. Right. So I help people do that, but not just with other people, because yes, I do help families, couples, uh, parents and children. You know, I will work with more than one person at a time, groups and organizations to help them understand, you know, you might have your hunter gatherers in an HR position and that's not where they should be, you know? So uh, to me, negotiation is, is primarily about negotiating with yourself to find peace again. Okay. I, you know, I think it's really hard when somebody, so, somebody is dealing with very real pain. Right. And, and then they're being fed stuff about, you should be happy, you should be grateful. Well, you should, yeah, I, if we're right. going to should on people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It is a good idea. That was, that was a good one. Yeah. We're going to shoot on people. Okay, I'm about to put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it. I, I knew a guy way back before you were born who had a song, Don't Shoot on Me and I Won't Shoot on You. Okay. That's really... So, uh, but I, I've never but it's that. good. We should... Well, use it. Use it, Micah. You know, you can quote me and, and say, oh, now God. that you know my name. You know, well, you can say I got it from Ambika, but but the before thing before I let you go further though, I kind of want to talk about like one of my loops, right? 
Okay, let's talk about it. Because I kind of went through a whole lot of trauma and, you know, life. And then I kind of went through, not well, kind of, I did. I went through like a 14-year battle with cancer. And wow. that wasn't my first ailment. So just recently, I kind of been coming into my peace and, and dealing with my traumas and my past and those kind of things. And I'm actually in a really good place right now. I feel like I have peace. Like for the first time in my life, I know what it's like to be peaceful. And hence, that's kind of where the podcast came from, because it's like, everybody should feel this way, <laughs> you know? Oh, I love everybody that. This, this is way. beautiful, Micah. But I have that one loopy thought. I've never had my life be as good as it is now, and mm-hmm. I'm always scared of it going away. Okay, so, so I want to explain. Is like, this is going to end. This is going to end. Like That's one thought. Cool. That's one thought. That's not the entire loop. So the, so one thought could be, is this going to end or when is this going to end? But then how does that make you feel when you say that? Like horrible. Okay. And how does it make you feel when you feel horrible? Horrible. Oh, you want another word? Well, okay. So here's, (laughs) here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a taste of the process. Okay. So when I feel horrible it makes me feel say that and then end the sentence with whatever comes up okay when i feel horrible it makes me feel sad and when i feel sad it makes me feel unmotivated no no say the sentence when i feel sad okay so when i feel sad it makes me feel unmotivated there you go and when i feel unmotivated it makes me feel and when i feel unmotivated it makes me feel I'm discouraged. Okay, so this is the beginning of your thought loop. Mm -hmm. So I would take you through this process of identifying your thought loop. And then, because I am a skilled hypnotherapist, and I can read you even if you're not talking and even if your eyes are closed, then what I do is I take you through a process of, first, we're diving into that dark pit together. And I'm there fully holding your hands, got your back, and supporting you. And then what we do is we begin to identify what you deem as the opposite feelings. Okay. And then by identifying those opposite feelings, I then take you through a process to identify a phrase, which some people have told me feels like a magic arrow. Some feel like it is a magical, they they all think it's magic. Because what happens is through this process, and it's an intense one-on-one, everybody. I've done it in group settings. It sounds like it. (laughs) I've done it in group settings, you know, day-long workshops. And yeah, you can can come out of it with it, but it's so much more effective when I do this one-on-one and give you my full attention. And then it's just us and there's nobody around to react off of. Now, is that something that you can still do virtually or does it have I to can do it virtually. Person? I can absolutely do it virtually. I do uh, ask that you dress comfortably and don't wear shoes and you could be in your PJs and that you're in a comfortable, quiet place because there are times when I need you to stand up because I'm looking at your body posture. I taught holistic health for 21 years at the university level. I taught people how to be massage therapists. I can read bodies. I can read minds. I can read all sorts of stuff. So I'm bringing all 
all of these weapons and tools into these sessions. So I say weapon in a very loving way because I want to shoot down these negative thoughts with you and give you the power tool that becomes a magical phrase. I mean, I'll share mine with you. It's not like a secret mantra, but (laughs) it's not going to work on you the way it works on me. And mine is infinite space. And I wrote about this in one of the chapters in my first book, Lilith. In, in a chapter that's called Enlightenment by Pizza. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and, and it's from when I used to deliver pizza on roller skates in Philadelphia. And, and I wiped out because kids had moved a blinking guard over potholes. And I hit the pothole full speed oh, with, wow. two, with a pizza. Saved the pizza. But but I still have the scars from it. That's the only yeah. time I wiped out delivering pizza. It's I only funny wiped- how pizza could be so cruel. Yeah, but that I I processed it in in this process that I use of thought loop annihilation. I call it, and <laughs> and and uh, people will say it's like a secret password to peace. Right. Because when I say it, I can't help but smile. I can't help but feel expanded and loved. And that love is coming from deep inside myself. And my God, that's what we all need. Right, right. You know, that's that's the medicine of why we reach for uh, the things that we do with addiction, why we choose not to eat healthy food or go outside and be in the sunshine or look at the night sky with awe or imagine what animals the clouds are making. Because we get so caught in the thought loop and we're not even aware of the entire loop. You see, when I take you through the process, you might end up with 20 or more spokes on that wheel. And it, it it takes patience and it takes a lot of love. From That's what me I was and, thinking. I was like, I, I would be such a problem case for you because I don't want to go outside because I don't like being hot. That's fine. I'm not going outside in the dark because of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so need like, you what? to go out. I don't need you to go outside if that's not your thing. I know, but I like, do. You know, it is very good for us to connect with nature because we are made from nature. You know, and and in Lilith, I also address this in a very fictional way. The book won the prize in spiritual fiction in that category. Would I have titled it that or named it that? No, but it won a prize there, so I'm good with it. Right. Like, and uh, the thing is, I am I am teaching about spirit, but not a spirituality. Right. I want you to develop your own thing. And that's what I was taught. That goes back to when I was six and had that amazing gift of going to Quaker school where they may be seen as a religion, but that, you know what they told me at six in sixth grade, by the time I got to sixth grade, because remember I started at six in first grade in sixth grade, we had to start studying world religions. And my teacher was the headmaster of this little tiny school I went to. And he gave us a book that I still have the copy of about world religions. And our we went through that book over the course of a year and we learned about all these different spiritualities. And at the end of the year, we were told to now tell me what worked for you from all these different things. Right. And what's your spirituality? I mean, what a beautiful gift Definitely. to a preteen. Definitely. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to kind of do the same thing with people. Like what is your way? 
find your way. <laughs> you know, there has to be a way. Now, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like you got this theme with sixes going on now. I do. Sixes. You got six books. You was in first grade. You were six. And then oh, that is grade. interesting. Well, <laughs> there's some sevens. There's a lot of sevens, too. And and six is the number of love. I got no problem with the number right, six. Right, right. I, see, me neither. I'm not afraid of the number six. And so that's yeah, probably my problem. But so I'm born on the 27th. That's a nine, two plus seven. Uh, there in my birth name, my birth name. If you do traditional uh, numerology, all three names—my first, middle, and last name—are all nines. Nine, nine, nine. Wow. Um, Ambika Devi is a nine. Uh, so yeah, we can see these coincidences in right. numbers. You picked up on sixth book. I have the seventh book in my computer. I just haven't finished. You know, I've got a manuscript started. Uh, It actually is a seven-year course I wrote for an online school that I've left uh, on meditation. But it's really, I'm trying to decide what to call it. Because really, it's the stuff I wish we taught kindergartners. Right. You know, about getting grounded, about feeling our connection to nature, about... Uh, centering ourselves and knowing how to, I mean, what would it be like if we walked into any meeting, whether it was in school, in the morning, homeroom, whether it was a boardroom, whether it was an interview for a job that you are so desperate to get, what would it be like if it was our natural habit to say, welcome, sit down, let's close our eyes. Let's just breathe for a moment. Right. And then let's open our eyes, but not say anything. And I'm going to set a timer for three minutes. And then we start talking. Ooh, that's going to be a tough three minutes for me. You'd be surprised. And this is an, an exercise that the smart psychologists and couples therapists do. Because when, you, when you're when you really in it and reacting, if you can just sit with a person and look in their eyes. Right. You know, if you can just take time out, either with your eyes open or closed. But if you spent that three minutes looking around and just making eye contact with different people around the boardroom table or different people in your classroom and that you were taught at a very early age to have a neutral face, to not react, to not try and give feedback with your facial expression, then you're then you can say okay let's let's just exhale first because if if we tell you to inhale first and you are still full of stale air how the heck can you take a deep breath right start with an exhale wow it's really smart push your belly in <laughs> get ready let it out now take right now you can inhale inhale okay i see you <laughs> you that was dope okay so Actually, it's pretty funny. I was thinking about my, I have a cousin, Carla, Carla Makeham, right? I haven't reached out to her in a long time and I should, but she wrote a book about like cognitive behaviors and intuition and like toddlers, mm-hmm. you know, about like how to um, like start embracing those things, you know, when they're, when they're smaller. And it was a lot that you were saying that just made me think about that. Like, nice. Well, what if Yo- these things did happen earlier? And, yeah. Because, you know, I'm 48, 44 now. <laughs> where I got 48 from. I don't but, either, but but um like we've almost now, named all the numbers now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the numbers. Well, um, but 
there's always been a joke with me. The people always know six was my favorite number. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think I just like What six. day of the month were you born? On the 19th. Okay. That's a 10. That's a one. That's right. the wild card. See, to me, I think Just it's for the record, I like threes. I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad you added that. A rebellious <laughs> nature. And I think I like six because everybody else didn't like six. You know, you saw six, six, six. It was like, ah, you know. Right. Well, it, you know, there are stigmas for everything. Like the stigma I mentioned earlier about astrology. I'm tired of it. Right, right. You know, and are you going to be afraid of a card? Do you play poker, but tarot cards are evil? Right. You know, like seriously, is a book evil? I'm in Florida, people. That's as far as I'm going on that. But <laughs> I am offended by the I idea of taking God. books off I shelves. I am I'm taking dead. personal offense on that. <laughs> you know, and let's stop being afraid of inanimate objects. The fear is in what you're thinking about it. Right. And the action that you're afraid of because somebody in a clubhouse told you that you should be afraid of it. You know what? I'm afraid of the fact that you're not using your own mental cognitive skills. Definitely. That's worth being afraid of. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know what? My mom can sit down and talk on this subject for hours. And sometimes she does. And I'm like, okay, ma, you don't got to tell me no more. <laughs> like, I get it. He talks about his mom in every single hey, podcast. I mom. love my mom. My Cupid nice. is a Bastard is totally dedicated to my writing group, but also it's an ode to my mama. Right. You know, they carried oh, us for nine months. Please. They had back pain and gas because of us. <laughs> I, I just have a problem with that. That's all. It's okay. my own personal thing. My mom. I understand. And that's that's fine. I mean, not everybody had a great relationship. Where she's just not ready to kind of like meet anybody <laughs> yet. Okay. But I'm still growing with my spirituality was yeah. my point. Like I grew up as Catholic or I thought I was Catholic or someone told me I was Catholic. Or you were <laughs> born into a family that maybe right. somebody practiced Catholicism. Because, you know, I wanted to say that, but my mom kind of never really like pushed religion on us. She just wanted mm-hmm. us to believe in God. And it's like, okay, why? But so I've always been that child is like searching. And then now I feel like when you hear something, you can tell like if the truth, like mm-hmm, you can hear mm-hmm. the truth in something. Mm-hmm. And my problem is that I'm kind of hearing the truth in a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, ugh. So I'm in that awkward place in life. And I was just thinking if I was groomed from when I was younger, you know, and to, and to be in better contact and, and, you know, it was like, it was a long time I didn't love myself. So now that I do love myself, now I'm searching to love other things. And, you know, that's that was, beautiful. And, was, and it's okay. It's okay to not accept things. Right. It's okay to not, it's okay to still feel triggered by things. Right. But it's a choice to continue to re-react when the trigger comes up. Right. So the tools I try to give to people are, my, you know, my intention with these tools are to just be able to identify that you have been triggered and then to have some tools so you can stop the triggering, right. so you can stop the looping, and then to have some tools to make you feel happy and love yourself again. Rebecca, you should be writing this down. It's okay. We're, we're, <laughs> we're recording. You can, I know, I'm just giving but, it But, you know, I'm more than happy to work with you on this. And I want you all to know, everybody who's listening, that wherever you are is perfect. 
You don't have to measure yourself against everybody else. That part. I think that is one of the key things. Because I tell, when we, we tell people the same thing. You know, my saying is you're perfect. And people are like, I'm not perfect. And it's like, what are you comparing it to? Who are you comparing it to? <laughs> you know? Wherever you are, there you are. Right, right. You know, so wherever you are, there you are. And wherever you are on the wheel of Dharma and evolution is where you are, man. You you know, or woman or whichever you're identifying non. Right. You know? But <laughs> um So what's your it, advice okay. to someone like me who's like searching but like still maybe scared a little bit you know it's like sure you know if i had a lot of a lot of interesting guests we've had a lot of interesting people on this podcast that come up with really you know like great messages and you can see in them the truth of what they're saying you know it's like i can i see this in you and part of me is like you know what i always said i wanted to have my charts done i remember a woman told me one time you got to be careful who does it and i think that's always is what stopped oh yeah Absolutely. Doing it because she was just like, yeah, you should get it done. It's good. But just be careful who does it. And I was like, oh, no. So, but I know I want to do it. And it's like, you know what? I'm pretty sure you, you can trust call? me, Micah. I'm going to your call. But then I'd be scared a little bit. So I know there's a lot of people out there like okay. me that ready to kind of take that leap, but still scared a little bit. I What's like I like handling a good astrological virgin. I can handle it. Okay. You know, <laughs> because the thing is, I'm not talking at you. I'm teaching you. Definitely. I'm empowering you. I'm not using it to try and sell you candles or goodness knows what, what, you know? I'm not scaring you. I want you to be finding more self-actualization. Right. We might be able to pinpoint what – I'm really great at timing. I can go back on on timing and say, what happened in this month, in this year? And people wow. – you know, I you know, and I could say it has to do with something you were attracted to or things being attracted to you or could be with work. Oh, my God. You know, or it could be that it was work and something foreign. Oh, my God. That's when I took up this job in Japan and moved, you know. Right. I, I mean, yes, we can see things like that, but I want you to understand it's all potential. It doesn't take away your free will. You have choices. Right. Every, you know, we come in with this backpack. I said this earlier, you know, filled with stuff. Right. In in our body, our physical body is the smallest of the layers. The translation is meat body. It is meat, you know, <laughs> and or you could see it as mud and clay, whatever, you know, if, if you're a vegan. And uh, and then we have an emotional body and then we have an intellectual body, the aura is in between the intellectual and the emotional body. And then we have the spiritual layer, and then we have a little thin layer called the bliss layer. And that's where these seeds from our backpack are stored. And we come in contact with people, places, and things, and one might start awakening like a seed drops into the soil and starts to awaken and take root and then begins to sprout. And this is what samskara is. So samskaras are these lessons. And yes, we are often given very intense, hard lessons. And a lot of the speakers and teachers and, you know, people out there telling you stuff are going to say that it's the hard lessons that when we can get through them and we can then have a hindsight window and look back, 
we most often will say, I would never change a thing. Because if I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't end up here where I am right now. Well, sometimes I feel like I would have changed a couple of things. Mm-hmm. And it's okay because the other thing we have to understand, Micah, is that people, places, and things come into our lives at the perfect timing right. as per what we're projecting. And they're mirroring lessons to us. And so we have choices. So every, every thing requires that we make a choice. We don't make every choice for every hair in our small intestine to move the food we ate for lunch. Right. But those choices are being made in every moment. Thousands and thousands of choices every moment. And every choice demands that we take an action. Right. So how you teach your body to make different choices now? <laughs> Depends on what's going on. <laughs> so you go I, ahead. Try, I try to set it by example. And do I get into <laughs> patterns? Of course I do. I'm a human being. Right. You know, maybe I start going on a path and, but then I do, maybe it is because I've been meditating for so long. Maybe it is because I do connect with nature and I rediscovered roller skating you know, and brought it back into my life. And, and I, and I have people that I can reach out to and say, I'm, I'm going through a rough spot. Right. I need some love and support. Yeah. Or, or even notice I'm going through a rough spot and I need to take myself by the back of the neck and go ask for some help. Definitely. And And that's that's scary. That's a really big, scary thing. It it was for me. I didn't, when I kind of went through, so I just packed up and kind of moved and kind of started life over because I felt like I needed a restart. Um, But it allowed me to spend a whole year kind of by myself. I didn't really. Did you move away from where you were? Yeah. How far away? I'm just curious. Um, 10 hours, about 10 hours driving. Uh, In what direction? North, south, east, or west? North. Interesting. Yeah. Um, In astrology, I do locational astrology. So a lot of times, I mean, I've had clients like, this is happening at my job. This is happening in my personal relationships. This is happening in my family. And I look at the astrology and I say, and I ask, where are you living now as uh, in relationship to where did you grow up? And when I see that they're in a place that is just so rough for them on the planet, if I can get them to at least go visit a place where the energy is potentially so much easier and better for them. And I have wrestled with them and struggled. I have stories about that, about just begging somebody, don't go to Chicago, go to Colorado. And they fought me on it. And then they finally ended up and they just went through four years of hell. And then they went to Colorado and they call me from the tarmac to get off the plane. They're like, oh, my God, I just got offered a job and I'm going for another interview and I'm renting an apartment. You know? Yeah, that's kind of how it happened for me. I I moved here for one job, end up getting another job and then end up finally at this job. (laughs) So it was weird, but it gave me peace. Like I kind of dealt with a lot of crap, but I feel like I should have had a mentor. I should have invited mm. somebody to kind of guide me a little because I went some dark places too soon and it almost like had a backwards effect. So you, you know, did have mentors. You had many mentors. Okay. You know, you mentioned earlier that, that you went through an illness with cancer. Yes. You had nurses who were mentors. You had doctors who were mentors. You had people that you passed in the hall that you never even made eye contact with. They were mentoring you too. You know, our teachers are everywhere, Micah. 
people people come to me wanting to ask about relationships. And I, you know, and and they're primarily looking at feedback on intimate relationships. Right. And maybe they're, they just met someone and I say, well, this relationship, and then they stop me. No, 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 it's not a relationship. And I'm like, excuse me. Yeah. Science says that any <laughs> contact of molecules, you know, electrons, you know, right. these are relationships. It's a relationship, Crystal. It <laughs> is. It absolutely is. So you, you've had them whispering to you in the ethers. You, you've had them in other dimensions, if you want to look at that. And and also in your previous and future lifetimes, if we're, you know, taking the matrix stance. Right. So I want you to know that you definitely have teachers. It's a matter of are we listening to them? Right. And it's and the thing that you said earlier also of being a seeker, that's the most important thing because my my personal belief is that when we stop learning, we stop living. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. On that note, that was a great. <laughs> that was a great way to. I'm just saying. <laughs> if you want, uh, we could keep going, or we could end there. I, I could always I mean, come I back again. End, but that's well, actually a great way to end. But um, honestly, I, okay. So I'm, I'm gonna call you now, and we're gonna talk. But I want to be able to talk about it on my podcast so absolutely okay, okay because we can i'll give you you know graphs and you can put circles and arrows and flash the pictures up if you want okay i mean truly absolutely yeah. i i mean this is perfect that that you are at that place where you're like okay i'm curious this one probably knows what she's talking about when it comes right. to astrology I'm and curious. i did have that debate in a back and forth text right today I mean, look at, look at, okay, so are we having a relationship? Yes, we are. But so am I with that person earlier. And so are you with that person earlier. Do you see, mm-hmm. we're all interconnected. My favorite quote. I'm a is, whore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. My, <laughs> my favorite quote is by the Roman statesman Cicero, which is everything is alive. Everything is interconnected. So rocks, trees, everything, water. We know that when we drink water and then we pee it out and it goes wherever it goes, it ends up back in the sky and it rains down again. Yuck. Come on. Everything (laughs) is in a constant recycling. But when it comes to astrology and choosing the right one, everybody, there's an ancient saying from India that it takes three lifetimes to be a sitar player, not an easy instrument. I can play guitar and ukulele. I cannot push the strings down on that thing. Mm-hmm. But it takes nine lifetimes to be an astrologer. Wow. Only nine. I must have done it more than that because Me I too. started studying it and understanding it when I was 12. That goes back to what I said earlier of we come into this lifetime with potentials. Right. And when we keep our eyes open, when we keep our hearts open, and when we feel safe to trust, the teachers come. We're told this. Right. When the student's ready, the teacher comes. But what I want you to know, everybody, is when the teacher's ready, the students come. Okay. And on that note, <laughs> uh, we're definitely going to list your contact information and all your information throughout the episode. Um, 
I'm going to give you a call and then we're going to talk about it, but we're going to have you back on too. Um, it sounds like Rebecca might be calling you also. So I, know, I was trying to get that word. <laughs> I I'm just sitting over here. I, had, I have enjoyed this so much. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Yeah. And thank you so much for being on. And um, I'll contact you. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk. And we're, I'm going to bring Rebecca along, but separate. You got to meet with her by herself. Oh, yeah. I, I insist that all first <laughs> clients, all first appointments are separate. And if I am doing couples, same thing. If I'm working with couples and doing counseling, I always meet with each individual because we have to create trust. Right. Definitely. And it's not a, a contest of, of, you know, trying to get your point across. When I finally bring people together in whatever uh, in whatever did, way, it has to be. If we did come together, I wouldn't get a word in edgewise as evident <laughs> from this podcast. So tonight. anyway, we're going to go ahead and say <laughs> goodbye to the people. <laughs> we thank you so much for being on. Thank, thank you guys you for watching. so much. It's been a delight. I really enjoyed yeah. myself. And Thanks we, for listening to the end, everybody. <laughs>